Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 7 of season 5. This season covers the 2019 Australian Competitive Barbecue Circuit and includes recordings from some of the biggest and best festivals from all over this beautiful wide brown land of ours. In short, I'm going to be spending the year flying, driving, eating, walking and talking my way around Australia and I'm bringing you along for the ride. In this episode, I get in the ears of the Reserve Grand Champion and Grand Champion winners from Smoke and Broke last weekend. So I kick things off with Richard from Barbecue. He revealed some really interesting things about the smoke that they cooked most of their hand-ins on. After that, I chat once again with Jai from Smokeface Grillers, the team that just can't stop winning. We get into what it's like living with a Myron Mixon H2O and how the pointy end of the national ladder works under the 2019 ABA rule changes. Before we get into it, I'd like to let you know about our awesome new shop on the website. If you love bacon, you're going to want to check out the Bacon Manifesto. It's an ebook that we put together with everything you need to know about making bacon at home and then some delicious recipes to show you what to do with it, including our iconic maple bacon pecan pie. I'd also like to invite you to join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. If you're looking for a barbecue group that is full of open-minded people who just love to help each other out, the Smoking Hot Confessions community is a great place to continue the conversation. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. It really helps me spread that barbecue love. So without further ado, grab yourself a big plate of fried not fried buffalo wings and icy cold bevy, and let's head on down to Smokin' Broke. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Hello. G'day, Richard. Ben, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. How you been? Yeah, can't complain, man. Still uh, on the high from the results of broke. Mate, I reckon you would be, for sure. <laughs> so tell me about the uh, about the lead up to broke. Oh, mate, we weren't actually going to be doing broke. Broke was a last minute thing for us. Um, there was another competition out at Gledswood that we were attending and Unfortunately, due to some unforeseen circumstances, they had to cancel that competition. So we thought, what's around the corner? The next comp that was coming up was broke. Thought, why not throw our hat in the ring and, and get it done? And uh, it seems to have paid off. Yeah, I dare say. I <laughs> dare say so. So tell me about um, about BBQ then. Uh, BBQ was formed just from four mates who grew up together. Um, one of the boys picked up a smoker, started, you know, smoking various meats and different cuts and the other three of us decided to get on the bandwagon and give it a go and we all fell in love with it. Uh, we've been together for around two years now, I think, just over uh, and competing for, for probably just under two years. Um, I think this was only, I was looking at the, the comps that we've done today, I don't even think we've hit 10 competitions all up yet. So we're pretty stoked with what we've done so far. Few few call ups along the way, but um, on the weekend it broke was our first major. Yeah, man, so good. Were you at um, Port Macquarie last year? Yeah, we were. We've done Port Macquarie last year and the year before. Were you the guys with the inflatable blue couches? We were. Ah, so one of the boys was chatting to you about it. Yeah, and I got a photo of them on it. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Yes, okay. Yeah, I I saw the photos um, coming up on the socials. I was like, I'm sure I know these guys. I'm sure I do. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly us. Unfortunately, that blue couch is no longer in existence. It's it's been retired, and but, but I think we'll have to get another one soon. It looked like a great idea. Oh, mate, it was the best, especially because it had the it kind of reclined. It had the the bit for the legs that folded out, so you could just lay back and enjoy the day. Oh, I didn't even know that it had the uh, the leg extension. That's heaps good. <laughs> yeah. So tell, so tell me about the uh, about your cook at broke. What did you What did you do for your hand ins? What did you cook it on? All right. So um, there was five hand ins, which is 
pork, pork ribs, brisket, lamb and chicken. Um, we were fortunate enough to be able to borrow a pit from our good mates, the Two Smoking Arabs. They lent us their Myron Nixon H2O smoker. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah, I know, it was a good score. Um, we're actually in the middle of selling a few pits to, to upgrade and, and buy some new things, so... Thankfully, they sorted us out with that. And, um, you know, it, it, I think it paid off because if you look at the results, first, second, and third were all cooked on Myron Mix and Smokers. Um, but yeah, the, the hand-ins were great. We follow a lot of our normal flavors in most of the categories. Uh, changed up brisket a bit just to be, you know, more of a people pleaser rather than using store-bought rubber. We used a, a homemade combination we've been uh, fortunate enough to come across and uh, mixed up lamb a little bit. We thought we could have done better. Um, we, we mixed up our rubs. Or we didn't mix up our rubs, sorry. We, the rubs we were using on chicken, we accidentally went a little too heavy, I think, on one of them, which gave it a bit too much spice, which didn't seem to work out with the judges. Um, I think if we hit our normal flavor profile, even though that scored 20th, we might have gone up the rankings a little bit. However, looking at the overall scores, with where Smoke Face uh, scored overall, I don't think we would have been able to catch them. Yeah, they did have quite the lead there from when I was looking at the uh, at the tally board. Yeah, we were looking at the um, just tonight and saw that the difference between first and second was 37 points. And just trying to work out, I don't know, is that a big lead or not? I don't know, would you know? Yeah, it's it's a pretty reasonable lead, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're just stoked to be able to pull off our first RGC. And, you know, thankfully James, my other teammate, was able to do it with me. Um, as unfortunately the other two boys, Dano and, and Luke, weren't able to make this competition. Ooh, maybe they're the dead weight. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's just keep that between you and I. Eh? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know Damo I know Damo's a avid listener of the podcast, so it'll be good for him to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him anything about it. Just just let him hear that. You'll get a text message on your phone. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that'll be great. We're in a group chat, obviously, so I'm assuming as soon as he hears it or one of the boys hears it, uh, he'll be straight on the message. Yeah. Mate, how <laughs> how much has those Facebook Messenger chat things like group chats just revolutionised the way we communicate and keep, keep in touch with people? Oh, it's so good. You can basically reach out to anyone and get in contact with them now. Not only that, the amount of group chats going on of you know, just people shit staring each other, but also, you know, sharing tips and pointers. It's just amazing the accessibility you have to everyone within the scene or within anything these days. Yeah. Yeah, well, running the podcast show, I, I reach out around the world to people and just shoot them a message on Facebook. Yeah, it's, it's made everyone so easily accessible, hasn't it? Oh, so much, so much. But getting back to the barbecue, the... Uh, the first time cooking on someone else's smoker and you managed to come in second place to a big name like Smokeface Grillers, mate, what do you put that success down to? Mate, I'm not sure, right? Um, we've been fairly consistent with our, our, our um, flavours throughout the time. Like, like I said, we only really changed brisket up for this comp, but I've cooked on the Myron a couple of times before. Uh, like I said, oh, okay. smoking are good, good friends of ours. Um, we borrowed the Yoda trail a bit previously because we did meat in Mudgee, but this is the first time we've uh, cooked on on the H2O competition. Again, it's probably only my third cook on it. Um, the smoker itself, the amount of juice coming out of some of the cuts that we handed in was amazing, um, especially we, we handed in thigh and breast for our chicken box and juice was just pouring out of the breast that we put in the boxes while slicing it. Um, I guess some credit has to go to the smoker, uh, but also, you know, we've been using heat beads for a while now uh, in combination with old firewood iron bark. Mm-hmm. And I think that also helped throughout the cook because it just held, kept, helped keep it, the smoker at a steady temp all day long. Um, yeah, it was just, I think, that, I think that might have been it. A bit of consistency and, and the single smoker to cook the majority of our, our handings on. 
Yeah, interesting, interesting. So you said that you're in the market for uh, to, to to upgrade your smoker. Are you looking at the Myron H two O? What are you sort of thinking of? Well, we weren't looking at the Myron H two O prior to the weekend. Um, we're actually looking at trailer pits, uh, a twenty four or thirty inch trailer pit. Um, there's a few on the market potentially that we could buy, or even one of the boys is a fitter machinist. Uh, potentially looking at maybe making one ourselves. Sure, the teams are doing that these days, and they're getting some decent results. And some of the units are looking pretty good. But since running the mire on the on the weekend, it's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works. Um, definitely tempting, but at the same time, price tags also definitely something to consider as well. Yeah, I guess so. But by the time you look at a uh, say a twenty four inch or thirty inch on a trailer pit, you're sort of looking at that. Twelve to fifteen thousand dollar mark, anyway. So you'd sort of have to look at that and go, mm, "You sort of up, you like you're in that ballpark, anyway." Yeah, that's it. They're very comparable on the price. Just the maneuverability, I guess, of a, of a trailer kit versus the Myron is, is a lot easier. Um, the Myron weighs four hundred and forty kilos, I think it is. So loading that on and off that trailer, you know, you need a bit of assistance. Whereas, you know, a trailer that you can just hitch up, take to comp. And drive home a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would definitely have to be uh, would definitely have to be considered. So w- when it does it. come to to trailer smokers, are you standard reverse flow? Are you insulated firebox? What are your thoughts? Uh, we've always owned standard flow, so we'd probably prefer to stick with standard flow just because it's what we know. Uh, nothing against the reverse flow, but we just haven't had a lot of experience on them. Even though we've heard they they run just as well. Um, but I think the personal preference would be to stick with what we know. Uh, if possible, we consider an insulated firebox. However, I think a lot of the comps we do, you know, we, we, we haven't really ventured outside New South Wales for any of the competitions we've done. Um, uh, so I don't know if we'd really benefit from the insulated firebox. Although, again, heard amazing things about them regarding, you know, fuel management and temp, temp management. So still a consideration. Uh, it just depends where, where the budget, I guess, lies uh, between the four of us. Yeah, that's true. I guess you'd have to sort of look at how much fuel would you save because I know that, um, like, I'm I'm here on the Gold Coast and uh, I, I spend a bit of time chatting and hanging out with Chris from Smoking Hot Bros who's in Brisbane. So we're in yep. quite, quite warm, hot weather and the idea of an insulated firebox to, you know, protect it from the cold, that's not an issue. Um, yeah. But as he says you make up for it with the fuel usage. So that that giant smoker that he's got there, I've seen him run that on a fire the size of a shoebox. Like it's yeah, right. It's ridiculous. That that sounds um sounds very tempting. Well, like I said, we we've used the um the Yoda Frontiersman, I think it is, a thirty inch smoker with a insulated firebox and I think that ran really well and was really efficient on the fuel, even to the point where you know, you're holding temp in the, in the cook chamber and, and you you don't know that you've almost run out of a fire. So definitely something worthwhile considering, I think, once we, once we you know, decide to try and lock something in. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yep, sounds good. So <laughs> this RGC at, at Broke, mate, where does that set you up for the rest of the year? Well, it's an interesting year for us. We're actually taking a step back because three of us having kids. Um, yep, that'll do so it. the reason... Yeah, that's it. So the reason Damo couldn't come is because he's, he's on a six-month lockdown because he's about to have his first. Um, actually, probably happening this week uh, from what I've heard. Oh, wow. Um, and James and I are both having – well, James had his second and I'm having my second later in the year. So it's a bit of a mixed year for us and, and part of the reason why I was taking a step back and, you know, why James and I were the only ones to attend this comp in the last comp. So we're unsure, um, but it's mighty tempting now, you know, to try and keep the wife, or, or sorry, bring, bring the wife over to allow me to do a couple more comps this year so we can get out there and see what else we can do. Well, you would have just picked up some really tidy points there for the ladder with that RGC. So you'd have to sort of be be looking at, you know, could I push this into the top 20 for the year and then what could I leverage that top 20 finish into for 2020? Yeah, exactly. We've been, all four of us actually, have been refreshing the, the ABA page like mad today, <laughs> trying to see if it's been updated just to find out where we've landed. Um, one, of, one of the guys has predicted that it might put us 
you know, hopefully within the top 20, but we'll have to wait and see. I think it's, it's only a, it's only our third comp this year, actually. So, what were the other ones that you've done? Uh, Medium Mudgy, we finished fifth, and the one before that was Giracool. Off the top of my head, I can't remember what we finished at Giracool though. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. I I didn't get down to Mudgy or uh, or Giracool, but I heard that uh, that meet in Mudgy in particular got really positive reviews. I haven't heard that much about Giracool, yeah. so I couldn't say, but. Uh, yeah, I'd heard top stuff about Mudgy. Yeah, Mudgy was an amazing comp. Uh, but I have to say, well, but, you know, both Mudgy and Broke were run by Robin Randy from Smoking Hot and Saucy. Amazing comps. Broke, I think, hands down, is probably, aside from the, you know, the result that we received, I think Broke has to be one of the best comps that we've attended. Um, just the atmosphere, you know, the punters coming through, the barbecue teams were made, you know, the main attraction of the event. Um, tasting tokens being handed out to allow the public to, you know, taste what we're cooking along with um, smoking hot and saucy supplying the meat for the tastings and donating any of the funds from the, or any of the profits from the tasting tokens to the local school, I think was an amazing initiative. That's interesting. And further from that, yeah, it was so good. And um, further from that, um, they even allowed us to, to, you know, show our wares. So if we had any sponsors, um, that we could, you know, sell some of their gear. They they allowed us to do that. So, for example, we've got Rub HQ on board as, as our rub and sauce sponsor, mm-hmm. and and you know, Linda from Rub HQ sent us down a box full of things that we're allowed to then take to Mudgy and and on sell to the public after they, you know, even got a chance to taste some of the flavors from from the tasting token. Man, that makes such a big difference at these barbecue festivals if the public are actually allowed to taste what the cooks are doing. Um, a lot of the comps that I do around Gold Coast and Brisbane here, we're just not allowed to do it. And it's the, the public actually get upset and then they don't come back the next year. So I'm, it, I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, that they're able to do that down there. Yeah, 100%. The, the engagement levels are so much higher from the public and it makes them want to come back year on year. Um, I think it's just it's just tough. I, I can see it from the promoters and, and organisers' perspective, though. The, some of the, I guess, the council regs you got to get through are quite tough um, and a lot of work. Yeah, sorry, I just realised that I said they don't let us. I I meant the councils. I didn't mean the uh, the the promoters. Sorry, all my promoter friends. I wasn't uh, <laughs> I wasn't speaking ill of you. I was speaking ill of the councils. <laughs> Better clear that one up. Yeah, yeah, clean it up real quick. So what do you guys do um, outside of competitions? Do you do any sort of catering or what do you get up to with your barbecues? Mate, with the barbecues, most of it's um, cooking just for friends and family. Um, we do a couple of small catering gigs for, you know, friends and friends of friends, but nothing that, no, nothing we've advertised and have been promoting to do. Uh, most of it's just, just a hobby and something we just love doing. Would you ever look at um, at moving up into doing some catering? I guess if you got a H two O, you'd have to. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You need one way to pay it back. You can't yeah. always get a, a GC or RGC. <laughs> um, but no, definitely, and and that's part of our decision process when we're looking at buying a new pit uh, for the team. Is we'd like it to have enough capacity to do some catering gigs uh, in there. Um, so yeah, definitely something on the horizon. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing we've done is maybe something small for 50 people uh, at, the, at the moment, but you know, with a bigger pit, hopefully we can push that and and do something on the side on weekends, maybe even just to help us get more practice and get more of the, you know, the customer feedback on our flavors. And also, you know, to help fund the, the hobby that we love. It's not that, it's not that cheap. No, it is not. Anything you can do to, to offset those comp costs... Yeah, anything. <laughs> so what do you do for a day job then to su- to support this expensive hobby? Uh, nothing to do with cooking or barbecue. I'm actually a project manager in finance. Oh, wow. Um, so completely different. Nothing to do with what we, nothing to do with what, uh, you know, this hobby of ours. Um, the other boys, uh, one is, uh, an electrician, the other one's a fitter machinist, which works in handy. 
with some of the barbecue things that we do. Very. And I don't know exactly how to explain the other profession. He drives the truck for pumping stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know any more detail than that off the top of my head. Mm. Like water? <laughs> uh, it's like <laughs> clearing out. Clearing out things is part of like, you know, when, when roads are being built and things like that. Oh, okay. Like wastewater management or something. Kind of, but not that. But yeah. <laughs> All right. We we will leave that a mystery. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he just pumps things. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. He's a professional pumper. <laughs> He'd like to think so anyway. <laughs> you can just call him Pump Daddy from now up. <laughs> that's brilliant I'm going to change his name in the chat to Pump Daddy I'm not giving <laughs> any context as to why you have to wait and see <laughs> oh love it love it so what's the next comp on your calendar then for this year so I'm done for the year that was my last one um, oh of course sorry yeah you said you're all having kids and stuff yeah 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 so personally I'm done for the year but a couple of the other boys are looking at uh, the Dam Hotel is the next one. And potentially squeezing in Hope Estate if they can. Uh, they'll definitely be attending Kangaroo Valley because that's, that's basically one you can't miss. It's, it's a great comp down that, there every that's year. That's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. and Because uh, you were there last year. You emceed last year, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was a brilliant weekend. Um, but I think that's it. So Hope's a, a probably not. But Dan and Kangaroo Valley really are the only ones that we've, um, we're really, really considering so far. Now, with an RGC, does that – I'm pretty sure it does give you an entry into the Invitational, right? Or or you're, you're in the draw for the Invitational? Yeah, so I have heard that, and I'm pretty sure you're right, that it's, you're going for the ballot or something for the Invitational. Um, I think if we were lucky enough to be drawn into that and invited, we're definitely doing that. I was going to say you'd 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 have to do it. Oh, 100. Haven't taken the wife through that conversation yet, so we'll keep it on the down low. But if we got in, it'd have it'd be happening. <laughs> well, just don't play this podcast back in the car while she's with you in the, <laughs> while she's with you in the car. That's it. Thankfully, she hates it when I play podcasts in the car with her. So I think I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this uh, fantastic little pair of uh, Bluetooth headphones that sort of tuck in under the collar on my shirt. So when no one's looking, I just reach in under the reach in under my shirt and just pull it out, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's like a little stealth stealth podcast session. Yeah, beauty. Well, I guess that's, that's the advantage of you know having an office job Monday to Friday. I can um, sit at my desk while I'm doing my work and have a, have a podcast in the background and listen to it, and of course the train ride. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that way. I'm only two kilometres from work. I just uh, drive my son to school and then, and then drive into work. But yeah, I'm at a, I'm at a desk almost all day every day. So, I'm a little bit uh, embarrassed to say how many hours of podcasts I churn through every week. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so mate, before I let you go, because it is a school night, we all got to get up and go to work tomorrow. And I do appreciate that you've been talking to me here late at night. What would be, um, let's say, three top tips for uh, for cooking on a Myron Mixon smoker? Three top tips. Um, first one, try and attend a competition that has water readily available at your site. Um, unfortunately, it broke. There was one tap for the whole site, so we had to bring a big 200-litre tub that we pushed like cart from the tap to the Myron and, and manually fill it up every time it started to get low. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that was some good fun. Uh, secondly, um, start with a charcoal base, whether it be, you know, the briquettes or a lump base. Um, that just helps, you know, get to your tents quicker and also create that charcoal base. It's kind of like an offset you know, to, to help your iron bark burn throughout the cook. And finally, when you are managing the water within the unit, because it is a water smoker, uh, if you have to do what we did on the weekend and manually fill it 
every so often. Don't let the water get too low because then if you have to dump a large amount of water in there that isn't at the same temperature as the smoker, you're going to see some temp fluctuations. Yeah, you want to avoid that at all costs for sure. Yeah, 100%. It can put some, uh, throw some spanners in the work when it comes to your timing. Mm, yeah, I don't doubt that for a second. Well, look, man, I'm going to say thanks very much for coming on board the show. Congratulations on your RGC. Um, congratulations on having another child and uh, and the rest of your team. I don't know how you all managed to synchronize that. That's probably not something we want to get into on the air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although it is smoking hot confession, so you know, might <laughs> might might take the show in a new direction. <laughs> but look, <laughs> thanks for coming on board. Smoking hot. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on board, and I look forward to uh, to chatting to you again soon. No worries. Hopefully we get to chat again before the end of the year. Thanks, Ben. This is Mark Lambert with Operation Barbecue Relief, and you are listening to Smoking Hot Confessions. Hey, mate, how are you? Good, man, good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. You uh, slept off that hunger, uh, the hangover from broke yet? <laughs> uh, surprisingly, we kept it pretty quiet. Um, everyone was expecting us to party hard after we got all those bottles of alcohol, but um, having uh, not having a shower for three to four days and a 14-hour car drive home the next day, we probably we decided that we'd actually pack it up and um, go get a shower and sleep. <laughs> so, I think that might have been the better choice. Yeah, it was actually we had a bit of car trouble on the way home as well. Probably the extra weight from all the. Uh, the, the smoke and the bottles as well, but um, it was a bit longer than expected, so it was the wise choice in the finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, mate, grand champion at Broke, as you said, 14 hours. So let's let's sort of start the story from the beginning. What what drew you to Broke? Um, look, Rob Rob's one of the, probably the best blokes on the barbecue circuit. Um, we saw he had the event last year and we actually um, wanted to go to it, but we, we uh, kind of commit to um, – all of our comps at the start of the year and work out a plan and we didn't fit in when it got announced. Um, and then when, when Port Macquarie looked like it was getting cancelled, we thought that would definitely be the next best thing. And um, we set it out at the start of the year that we're going to head out there. Um, spoke to Rob. Rob told us about how, how good the event was last year. And look, everyone who went there last year said how great it was. Um, so it wasn't really a question for us. We were um, we were committed as soon as it was announced this, uh, for this year. So... And um, if you've ever, if you've been to the event, it's probably one of the best that I've been to. Like every event has its pluses, but this is purely a barbecue event in terms of um, smoking hot and saucy, just cooking food, doing demonstrations. There was Rangers barbecue, a few other barbecue joints cooking food. There was market stalls, it was barbecue teams, and it was just a pure barbecue event. And the crowd was absolutely unbelievable. There was thousands of people pouring in, and um, Mate, it's just it was something that we couldn't believe. Actually, it was a, it was an amazing event. Mate, sounds like a barbecue is paradise. It was a little bit. It was a little bit, and we had a lot of freedom. Like being in a um, a camping ground, um, there wasn't as much security. Um, obviously, toning things down um, meant that the teams could get around each other and um, spend two nights actually catching up. And that's the beauty of those uh, central comps when they get large. There's people, teams from um, Queensland coming down, like Primal Lion. We got to spend a couple of nights with those guys, and um, we, don't, we wouldn't we wouldn't cross paths otherwise. So it gives you the opportunity to catch up with all the people around uh, Australia and literally barbecue and have some fun. Yeah, everybody you know off Instagram. Pretty much, pretty much. It's, um, <laughs> and that was that was the beauty of Port Macquarie. And unfortunately, we don't have that. And I'd say Broke's probably. The next best thing is probably the the, big, uh, the opportunity for a big comp that's very centralised, and um, it gives you that opportunity for that once a year where everyone can come together and kind of have a few beers, talk to fat, and cook some barbecue. Yeah, and I um I even saw some uh, blue yeti shenanigans happening on the socials there, bits of videos and photos popping up all over the place. Yeah, the first night um Doug literally had it handcuffed to his arm. Um, <laughs> he wasn't letting it, he wasn't letting it go for anywhere. And the next night, um, good old golly snuck past and, and took it from him. And I think he was raging around looking for it. But yeah, I think that was always bound to happen after the uh, the Blue Yeti incident in the first place. So it was a bit of a crack up. Well, I'm I am glad to hear that he did at least get it back because I know he was heartbroken. Yeah, he was pretty. I don't think he was too concerned this time. I think everyone knew it was a bit of a stitch up this time. 
Um, I probably would have taken it home if it was me and Mulder back to him. But um, <laughs> just give him a bit of extra stress. But oh, you you know it would have been awesome to to take it on like a tour like they used to do with um, you know they used to pinch people's garden gnomes and then they'd take the garden gnome around to different places and photograph the garden gnome and then post the photographs back to the owners of the garden gnome. <laughs> I reckon that's probably the perfect idea, but he'll be all over that now after listening to this. <laughs> I don't reckon he'll let it out of his sight now. Yeah. Oh, too funny, too funny. So, all right, Brisket King. What is Brisket King for the uninitiated? So Brisket King come about last year. Um, the Scotch and Smoke Boys literally um, decided at Port Mac last year when everyone got together that <clears throat> we should announce a... Uh, a brisket king for a year where someone has bragging rights for an entire year and Port Mac being the biggest competition that gave the opportunity for the, uh, obviously the bragging rights. It's a bottle of alcohol. It's worth more than $50 for entry last year. I think the um, full throttle won it and they had a truckload of uh, alcohol to get through and they kept it for a year this year without no Port Mac. Um, they moved it to smoking broke. So it was whoever cooked the best brisket at smoking broke and entered the competition, um, took home brisket king for the year. What was there, 48 bottles, I think, by the end of that there, wasn't there? Uh, I think there was about 40-odd bottles. Um, it got split up for first place. Obviously, we got first place. Um, we cooked a – we were very, very happy with our brisket, actually. Um, we actually did a class the week before and cooked the best separated flats of our life and thought that we'd um, – Blown our chances, <laughs> um, trying to shoot. <laughs> we uh, shot too early, and then um, we uh, during a cook, we probably would have had I reckon thirty good burn ends. They were just roaring away, and um, Justin does all our boxing up. He's a perfectionist with uh, James, and he I pulled all the burn ends out, and he's like, "How many good burn ends we got? Do we have 10? And I'm like, "Mate, we got about 30 and I stacked them all out there. But he goes, "Which ten am I taking?" I'm like, "I don't know. Pick one." Um, <laughs> that, they were next level amazing. We boxed them up and we put them in. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a pessimist and didn't like our flat as much as what the others did. The others thought it was just as good as what we cooked the week before, but probably set myself up for failure like that. And, yeah, when it got called out, it was a bit unbelievable. We took that out and um, we took home the manhorn smoker that we dragged up from Frankston for the competition. So we had to drag it all the way back home, <laughs> and then, <laughs> which was fun. Um, and then we took home, I think we got about 28 bottles to choose from and then they split the, the rest of it between second and third. Oh, rightio. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there was 50-odd bottles last year and it all went to uh, to full throttle. Yeah, yeah. But they, I think this year they got um, a, a heap of donations. So um, Mick from Manhorn donated um, one of those mini smokers, um, which we had to pick up from um, – Frankston obviously the drag up for the competition for Adam, and um, which is pretty cool. We there was charcoal. Uh, we won back at one of Justin's JG barbecue plates. Um, <laughs> was, <laughs> He'll be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was trying to give it away, but I don't think anyone wanted it. Nah, nah. <laughs> um, yeah, every time person he asks, he's like, "Do you have a Weber?" And they're like, "No." Nah. He's like, "Oh well." So we end up taking it back, but. Um, it was a heap of rub sauces. We've got the Brisket King T-shirt and crown. Um, I think you're sending something across. And there's a $500 in firewood in Sydney wow. that we can pick up, um, which I don't know how my postage on um, 500 bucks of firewood will cost. but um, Probably about two grand. <laughs> yeah. So I'll have to work out a way to pinch some of that out. out. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff getting sent across. So the donations for it were unbelievable. The community got right behind it and – yeah, there was uh, prizes galore, so it was probably only fair they split the alcohol out. And they are probably scared giving us 50 bottles of um, alcohol too. Uh, it did scare us a little bit as well. I would imagine so. You'd just be looking at it going and like your your liver would just be trying to jump out through your chest cavity just just out of fear. <laughs> you were like, there's a photo of us like kids in a candy store when we um, got told we had to pick out 27 bottles. And we're going through it and we're like, which one do we want? We want this one, we want this one. And then we're arguing over which one has preference and... There was some good bottles of wine in there. There was a couple of bottles of decent bottles of gin. There was lots of rum and there was all types of stuff. So it wasn't just straight bourbon, which was good. So there's a bit of a variety there. But, um, yeah, we look forward to getting through to it um, through it over the next year, that's for sure. And did you get to actually take the wooden box home with you or did you just take the bottles? No, we got to take the wooden box home with us. Um, I reckon that we were literally – 
we went up there pretty heavy because we took the smoker up. We took some wood up. Uh, being a campground, we took some extra stuff up, like some extra ice and food and that. We went up there pretty heavy, and I think we were like, oh, we'll come back lighter, and we came back a lot heavier, I think, um, <laughs> between the smoke and the prizes, all the alcohol, the box. So the box sitting in um, the garage at the moment, tucked away. We'll probably drag that out to Horsham for our next comp and um, might crack a few bottles there with the uh, with the guys and girls out that way. Yeah, that, that box is just gorgeous. Yeah, they've done a good job. Yeah. They've done a good job. I think um, – we're a bit worried if we're if, um, praying that it comes back in one piece. I think that's the biggest thing. So Mick's looked after it pretty well for the year. Um, but, yeah, yeah, he's got the uh, comforts of an RV driving that around and we'll have to drag it around in the back of the trailer. So hopefully she stays well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I showed my wife photos of that because she's been after a steamer trunk for ages. And when uh, when I showed her the photos of that handmade one by uh, Chris from Smoking Hot Bros, she said, you need to up your brisket game because I want that box. <laughs> and I said, you realise you'd have to give it back? And she just goes, no. Nah. <laughs> we lost it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, look, to be honest with you, we went there and we were like, ah, oh, we, we, we're shooting for the GC. And uh, we're like, it'd be pretty cool to win Brissett King. It, as we spoke last time at the Western, we'd never got a first place beef before. And um, so we knocked out first place beef at the Western and then backed it in with first place brisket. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit surreal for us in terms of the um, – the beef call out but the original goal was the gc and it just added um, a bit of extra mayo for the weekend that's for sure yeah absolutely now that's your third gc in a row i think isn't it three outings three gcs <laughs> yeah for aba comps yeah um it's three outings three gcs and i think we've won seven aba gcs in the last just under 13 months too so oh wow. we've, been, we've been on a massive streak for that's for sure yeah, yeah. So I was looking on the uh, ABA page today. They haven't updated the ladder uh, since the competition that was on last weekend. Does that now put you up there with the Butcher's Axe boys? Are you now in the 300 club? We are in the 300 club, but I think the, what, the, t- the first tiebreaker is the amount of people beaten. And um, I think we're four people short um, or four teams short. So they'll still be in first. And I reckon we'll still be sliding in second. And um, I know those boys are looking at competing back again in, um, at Horsham and there'll be some very good teams there, but could be a bit of a shootout between us and them at that stage for, uh, for a bit of bragging rights. Um, there's no doubt there'll be a few other teams by the time August rolls around that would have 300 as well. But, yeah, at the moment we're, we're about four teams short. Right. That's interesting. So the tiebreaker is how many teams you've beaten. So then the bigger the competition that you win in, the – the higher the status, the higher the position. Yes, yes, which is interesting. Um, obviously, but this last year when we won Port Mac against 96, it would probably would have locked us in for first, but I don't think there'll be a comp that big. Um, so with there's a lot of 50-team comps like uh, Axe 1 against 55 teams at Meatstock Melbourne. Um, our first two comps were actually dead even with people from them, and at, at one stage it was looking like Broke was going to have 56 teams, and on the way up, we found out that a few had pulled out. So we kind of knew that if we won or not, we are going to be short. But there's still a few more comps towards the end of the year and we'll give it a crack and see what happens from there. Yeah, I was um, I was looking at, at the Horsham uh, Facebook page today, the, the Meat Meat competition page, and I was seeing that uh, he's up to 70 spots now. There's only five spots left to register. He's, he's got 70 teams. Yeah, I saw that, um, which would be epic if he gets that number. But... I think with um, some of these comps, though, like you register and then you pay afterwards. And look, um, I know Rob, I think Rob was up at 80 teams at one stage. And then after City Meatstock, I think you said 20 or so teams dropped out. And then he probably had 10, uh, I was five or 10 on the lead up drop out. So if you can keep the numbers, that'd be unreal. Like it'd be just an amazing event. Um, Horsham last year, apart from the weather, was a simply great event, it was a real good team event. Um, we had a lot of fun there. Big Smoke won that one out as well against some really good teams. That, but you could get that number up. It'd be just fantastic, I think. Yeah. So, what's your thoughts then? Should should promoters get teams to pay at the time of registration? Yeah, I think that's it's it's a bit of a funny one. I prefer to pay when I register and have that option. Um, I think that locks like that means we're locked in. It's done. And I must admit, if we register first and then they send the invoice, even we get a bit slack on it. Like I said on 
um, the smoking broke invoice. It wasn't that we didn't have the money sitting there to pay it. It's just that you see it there and you're like, oh, I've got to get to that. And it doesn't become a priority where if you have to pay to register, then it becomes a priority and you knock it out straight away. Um, mm. And it's like, I think Jay always says it with events that if you've got people committed, they're going to come no matter what, rain, hail or shine, where if they haven't paid, the weather's coming up and it's not that great or they haven't had a couple of good cooks or something like that, they might turn away from it where it kind of locks them into that they've got, they're going to come. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I I know that there's um that there's been a bit of talk on some of the pages lately about uh, about competitions and they uh, they set things like prize money and all that sort of stuff based on how many teams have expressed interest and then uh, find themselves scrabbling to actually make that money back. So I'm with you. I reckon there should be a pay on registration. Yeah, look, and absolutely. That way promoters know where they're at. Um, it, look, the, the problem is trying to make it easier that you can register and then pay later. Um, the hard part is is that the comps, some comps get announced a bit later on. Um, look, there was that Queensland comp that had the has the biggest prize money in Australian history. I think it was ten thousand for a GC and five thousand for RGC, and they promised sixty and they're about twenty short. But being in Queensland, it's like you almost want to get people's money early just to make sure they're locked in to go there because. Um, whether, whether the prize money there's or not, they're probably going to save that amount of money in just doing a local comp compared to the spending the money on the travel accommodation and fuel, all those things as well. So, oh, yeah, without doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it might be interesting if we had a bit of a chat about the Myron Mix and Smokers. I was just having a last, last quick look at uh, Facebook before giving you a ring. And I saw a post from Dr. Q, who of course came in third, and their post was saying that all three winning teams, first, second, third, uh, from Broke were cooking on Myron Mixon Smokers. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one. We um we were walking down and I'm like, Oh Jesus, there's another H2O sitting there. And um the boys that I think it was a BBQ um had the Myron Mixon and that was um the two smoking Arabs rig that they let them. Um, I went past and had a chat to them. I thought it was theirs at first and they had this tiny little pump attached to it, um, which wasn't keeping up the water to it. Um, it was probably not quick enough. Like I had water in there and um, I was having a chat and they asked a suggestion and I said, oh, look, I'd probably get rid of manually, put that in just in case that pump doesn't keep up. And when I spoke to the boys afterwards, they had to manually keep the water in the H2O, which that happened to us at Melbourne Meatstock when our pump blew out and I must admit it made the work so much harder. It does fluctuate the pit a fair bit and you've got to keep an eye on it. So for those boys to pull out an RGC, have <laughs> manually feed water and it like that, mate, hats off to them. That was amazing. Uh, and I think Dr. Q have the refurbed gravity feed, um, which is a nice unit. I swung past that exquisite that. They've done a ripping job on that. But, mate, if you see the Myron some smokers up close, they're an absolute tank. They're probably one of the best-built smokers you'll see. And um, the only way to describe the H2O that we cook on, well, like we cook on a lot of um, gateways now. We've even considered moving over to gateways for some of the cook. Um, they're like a stick-burning gateway. You, you burn sticks in it, heats from the bottom, comes out the top. You get a similar effect to the gateway, similar speed times to the gateway. It cooks similar to a gateway, but you get a wood-burning effect with them. So it, it just gives a different element, which seems to be working. Evidently, mate, three three GCs from three outings. You uh, kind of can't argue with those statistics. Yeah, well, that's, we we were, we could pull two RG. Actually, it was three RGCs and there was two RGCs in a row before we pulled our first GC, and we only got that GC when we crossed over for our first cook of the Myron. So, out of the seven we've won in the last thirteen months, we've cooked five of them on the Myron, and that's the entire cook. Every category is in that Myron, from chicken, lamb, the whole lot. Everything's oh, wow. banged in there. Um, we don't carry another pit. Everything is straight in it. And the other two were on the Octo pits when we went over to New Zealand, which um, if you know Jared, he's a ripper and those pits are pretty well built. And he laughs because we, we say we turn him into H2 bros over there for the Kiwi fellas. <laughs> and um, we fill him up with water down the bottom and try to keep that moisture in the pit. It seems to having water in the pit just that probably doesn't lock in the bark as heavy as what a pure offset does, but it keeps the meat. Uh, look, if it does protect the meat, it does cook the meat slightly different, but it just seems to be working for us. So we try, we try to replicate that every time we went over there. Yeah, yeah, and you and you did smashingly over there as well. So with the water pumps do go out, and you do have to manually refill that uh, that water 
tray, the water reservoir. How is that done? Like do you have to throw the doors open and pull the water tray out, fill it up and then close the doors up again? So like are you losing heat every time you got to do it or is it can you run a hose in through a little port on the side? Like that has how- a little has a little 50 mil, well, it's probably a 50 mil eye hole on a, um, a pipe with a, with a right angle bend. And that's a bit of a, it's, it serves two purposes. It's A, so you can check the water levels in the pit to make sure they're at where they should be when you're smoking. And B, if you have to fill it up manually, that's the top up point for it. So you can just, you don't have to open the pit to top them up. You can just feed it straight into there. Oh, fantastic. Um, but the whole purpose of the mine where you get the real benefits out of it is, is that because that water, if you've seen it running, um, and we, we're happy for people to come past and have a look if they're interested, um, you'll see it just bubbles away. Like it literally just bubbles away underneath and it boils away and it's, there's a fair bit of steam that comes through the pit. Um, you can especially see it in the mornings when it's quite cold because it um, looks like we're probably putting too much smoke on, but because it's putting out moisture, um, it looks like it just billows out at the top. Um, but the, the, having that water at a consistent level means that the pit doesn't fluctuate. So that water acts as a huge heat sink. So once you're locked into 300, you only have to feed a log into it every probably 40, 45 minutes. Um, and that, that means you actually have to make sure you do that because your fire will go out and it'll still sit at that 300. Um, but when the temperature drops, obviously the temperature just skyrockets as the, tem- as the water drops and vice versa when you top it up with fresh water. It it'll crashes. pull some of the heat out. Yeah, it'll crash out of the pit. Um, that happens to our cook at Meatstock, Melbourne, about probably a third of the way into the cook, and it caused um, oh look, not major issues, but we're we're very we very we we know where our timings at, and everything set to a particular time, and all of a sudden, man, we had to cook a little bit hotter because we had to rush things through because the temperature dropped at times. And look, we got through it. I think we still got six there, but um, it does make the uh, work a whole lot harder. And as I said, for those boys are pulling RGC having to play around with that. And the first time I think they used the H2O, man, that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I, I didn't realise that it wasn't their smoker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look, they, um, probably one of the best guys at barbecues, the two smoking air guys. And um, it's the one they've been using for catering. And they um, they, they said they borrowed it out of, um, out of those guys there. So they've, I think it was, it was literally the first time they've ever cooked on it as well. God, that's phenomenal just to pick up someone else's smoker and just have a crack. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Look, we were – when I ordered it, I um, when I sold my old uh, offset, the homemade offset we made on the trailer, um, I was in between two pits. I was in between going for a 30-inch and a trailer on a reverse flow because that's what we're comfortable with. Um, but I always wanted a H2O. And I speak, to, I speak to everything barbecue-wise with Justin, and Justin's like, mate, just get it out of your system, order it. If you don't like it, you'll be able to flip it off. Um, just get it in. And once we did that, we were very nervous because we're like, oh, we're messaging everyone in the States. What's it do to the bark? Does it keep the bark? How do you keep your bark? Um, and they kept sending us messages back saying that they add water into their pits if they're not cooking on one to get the bark. They think that water adds bark, which is what was really interesting. And I must say we pulled it out the first time I um, – I cooked one rack of ribs on it the first time for the first cook the day I got it back to my house. And um, you've learned very quickly that the things just about cook themselves. They're, they're very cruisy pits. They got, they're very well insulated, um, very easy to start a fire in. And once they're rocking, it's, you literally don't have to think too much about it. Very nice. Very cool. And so what, um, you know, you don't have to tell me the details of whatever deal you made, but what sort of dollars do they set back uh, to the public? Um, interestingly, I imported mine before they started selling it directly in Australia. Um, initially it was looking like it was going to land for about 11,000, but when we got it over here, they charged me an extra thousand dollars on the docks because of the weight of it. Um, and kind of helped me to ransom. So it ended up costing me 12,000 to land here. And I think if you go on some of the websites that are selling you in Australia now for the six, I've got the uh, 60. Um, they're selling them for twelve thousand as well. Okay. Um, and what sort of capacity has it got? Like cooking capacity? Um, if you look online, it's they come with two shelves. Um, I got an extra rack installed. They say you'd fit twelve br- briskets on the two shelves, which you'd pretty go. Um, you'd go pretty close to. Um, they say with the three shelves, I'd get eighteen to twenty, which I'd probably think. But we pretty much fit an entire 
because um, they're square, you get max capacity out of them. Um, you don't lose any to the rounding of the pit, which you, pro- you probably notice a little bit with your um, your your box radar. Um, so you can pretty much take your meat hard up onto the edge. Yeah. And we cook a lot for comp. We cook a whole lot. Um, we cook two briskets, two butts, um, 12 chicken thighs, probably four four racks of lamb, two briskets, and there's probably some other stuff in there as well that I can't think of. Oh, four racks of ribs as well, and we can fit it all on one shelf. Wow. Yeah. So capacity-wise, you'd be looking at like the equivalent of a – would it be 24-inch or 30-inch, would you say? Oh, uh, it probably – Based on the length, you probably go into a capacity of a 30-inch and a 60. Um, the next size up's a 72, which I originally ordered, and I'm glad that I didn't. I downgraded it because um, <laughs> it weighs about 300 kilos more and it's uh, almost a metre wider and a 500 mil deeper. Wow. Which is complete overkill for a comp cooker. <laughs> yeah. But we've done we, – we did a, uh, a gig at um, the Q Club for Christmas last year. And we took the wiring in there and we put two 25-kilo pigs in there, um, one on each shelf. And they, um, we did two whole hogs sitting in the pit. Like, it, 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 you can fit a whole heap in there. Um, it's almost a perfect catering gig because um, you don't really need to look after it, and especially if you want that stick burn, burner effect. Uh, you get that You get that without having to feed as much probably timber as what you do with an offset and checking on it as much. Um I know when Scotty was at the Q Club, he was almost pushing Andrew to keep it there because they are a really good pit and they're real fun to cook on. So, Yeah, sounds like a really good bit of gear. Yeah, yeah, it's just a shame that we probably only get to rock it out maybe eight times a year with uh, comms. And really for home use, <laughs> it's too big for home use. I, I sometimes pull it out for home use, but um, you get pretty lazy and I'm really probably – I've got two gateway drums at home now and I'm probably abusing them more than what I am the Myron when I'm at home at the moment. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty steep investment for just a com cooker, but it seems to be working for us. Yeah, yeah. Now you just mentioned the the gateways again there. Um, yep. Give us a rundown on on how you feel about the gateways. Um, what was it? Right. We, we really wanted to get a gateway for a while. Um, I was looking at importing a different model of Hunsaker there for a little while. And then um, the Q Club got the gateways in, and as soon as uh, Cab got one, I went in there for a beer one day and came home with the gateway. <laughs> just, That's <laughs> an expensive beer. Yeah, he just about strapped it on my back and sent me home with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I took it home, and I literally just sold two pits and told my wife, "Oh, look, I'm going to start minimising and not getting as many pits." And uh, I came home with it. She wasn't happy, <laughs> um, but we use it throughout the week even um even my wife cooks on it they're real easy to start you chuck a couple of fire lighters in there we throw some heat beads lump in there and within 15 minutes we're cooking a 300 and it's that quick you throw a couple of chunks um and it just rocks away but once you get going with them they are an absolute microwave it's almost like they're a pressure cooker oh Um, wow we did our class um in them on the we did pretty much our sole class on the weekend uh just gone and um, we did pretty much an entire con cook on three gateways with them. And we pretty much trimmed the briskets, injected the briskets at the start of the comp and then had them, had the comp briskets out within four hours. And I, as I said earlier, it was probably the best brisket we'd ever cooked out of it as well with the flat. Um, and they just, they just eat, eat the meat up really. Um, lamb's really quick on them. You can knock a lamb shoulder out in three, four hours. They are just, they are like a little pressure cooker. They're, they're great. Yeah, and so do you then put a water pan in there as well? No, no. Um, you don't even put a deflector plate in it. You don't need to. You just go straight over the coals. Oh, um, interesting. You can put a deflector plate in there. It's recommended only if you go to two shelves, but you get that woody char effect from having it direct over the coals. Um, so you just pretty much – got to trim your meat differently. You've got to keep a lot more fat on your meat just to protect the bottom of it from that – from that heat source down the bottom, but they they do a sterling job. They literally, you get a good, really good smoke through them. You get the texture's slightly different on some of the big cuts, like brisket, than what you would on a regular smoker. But you, you kind of play that off with speed. And there's a couple of tricks that we learnt with the when um the shake and basted boys are out to try and reduce some of that pot. It's like a bit more bit of a pot raciness that comes through on a brisket, and um, that trick seems to have worked as well. Which is you cover 
um, three quarters of the fire with a bit of foil to take to stop the drippings from coming back up at the brisket. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mate, no, I, um, I liked them that much. I ended up going back for a second one and got a red one because apparently they cook faster. So, <laughs> of course they do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just need the racing strap now. Yeah. So, for how many months has your wife put you off the beers then to, to make up for paying for these two drums? Uh, <laughs> I don't get punished like that. I'm um, I'm, I'm thinking we, what what six or seven bucks a schooner. You have <laughs> a three grand worth of drums. I collect barbecue like she collects shoes. Don't worry about that. We um we probably have a stalemate there. So um <laughs> yeah, she doesn't really say much, and I don't say much in re- in return. So we're doing all right there. Oh, see, I can't get away with that. I've got at least twice as many barbecues as my wife does shoes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if I, if, I, if we went one for one, then um, I'd be a happy man, or at least the cute club would be, because I'd probably buy a bit. So, yeah, yeah, she's got a, she's got a lot. <laughs> well, hey, if the if the shoes come in pairs, then the gateway drum should come in pairs too. hundred percent, hundred percent. But I did, I, <laughs> I, I did I did copy a trick where um. When, when the second one came and I put it in the garage, she's like, did you get a new smoker? And I went, no, nah, it's been there for ages because that's what happens with me. So um, it seems to have worked as a pretty well good style, mate. <laughs> well, mate, I've got just just one last question before I let you go. And I I did mean to ask this before and I forgot. Um, last time we talked, you had mentioned that you were going to start doing some uh, KCBS style recipes and cooks and things in ABA comps in practice to lead up to go to uh, sorry, was it the Jack or the Royal that you're going to? The Royal. The Royal, Royal. yeah, in your in your lead up to the Royal. So this comp in Broke where you just picked up GC, were they your ABA uh, runner recipes or were they the your KCBS recipes? Um, interestingly, it was probably three quarters of us leading towards America. Interesting. Uh, the only thing we didn't roll out was chicken. Um, Juzzy's an absolute perfectionist um, and – he won't roll it out until he's completely happy with it. Um, but we'll probably do something very similar with chicken, but just change the way we currently do it. Um, but the pork that we ran out there would be the way we do pork in America. Um, the ribs probably won't change. We're pretty happy with that. We just changed up our flavor profile slightly. And um, the brisket, we pretty much probably – Oh, we're pretty happy with our brisket at the moment. Um, we learned a few things from when we did the shake and baster class, a few little tips and tricks what they enjoy over there. Um, we adjusted a couple of things and which seemed to be working. So um, the only thing we'd probably change from now on in would be chicken, which will probably roll out at meat meat in Horsham. Very cool, man. I'm looking forward to that one. I'm coming down to that. Yeah, yeah, swing past it. As I said, some of the stuff will be very different. Like, obviously, the money muscles were attached. We cooked, we cooked um, attached money muscles at this comp um, in preparation for that, just trying to get our heads around it. Yep. Um, and perfect it. And yeah, it's uh, it does add an extra challenge. Um, the ABA rules do allow you to streamline a few things, and it does make the cook a little bit easier. So there's a few more decisions you've got to make, especially with the pork. The pork does get a bit more, um, bit more technical when you go to KCBS and you're trying to manage pool with the money and. Do you just cook extra and sacrifice some to keep your money well or do you, how do you handle your money muscle so it's ready at the same time as a full pork or handy? So we, we've tried a few tricks this weekend and it seems to work. We probably cooked our best pork that we've ever handed in and it um, pulled forth. So some of those guys out there must be cooking amazing stuff because we were, we were wrapped with ours. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and, and by horse, by meat, meat, you know, the goal was to literally go full scale for America and that may – or may not include at this stage us um, rocking full gateways there too. We might drop. We not might not even take the Myron. We're still deciding at the moment and going um, full gateways because that's what we'll cook on over there and see how we go. Probably makes sense to uh, to give it a not a dry run because it's still a competition round, but you know, give it a give it a run through here before you just have a crack over there. Look, um, as I said, we we've all got gateways now, so I've got two. Jazzy's got one, um, James has got one, and we've had Chris, who's the extra, because Luke's been so busy organising his own comps this year, he's, had, he's really found it hard coming along to the comps with us. So Chris has um, put his hand up to come, and he's got one as well. And We've been pretty much all our practice cooks are on gateways at the moment. Um, as I said to you earlier, it's a very similar effect to the Myron, so we're not completely uncomfortable with it. And we, it's just, they're just so easy to run that you can literally 
you could be mowing the lawns and doing a practice cook at the same time. So it makes life easier. So we're pretty comfortable heading over there. It's just probably adjusting a few flavor profiles and a few little tweaks like that to suit the American crowd. Well, mate, if it helps you get more work done around the house, then I dare say the wife's happy that you got a couple of gateways now. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't been much. We probably nailed out, I think, three or four events in the last month and a half, two months. So we've got a much-needed um, break now. But, yeah, I, I don't reckon I've made the lawn for beers. Probably almost up to my knees out back, <laughs> I'd hate to say. So that'll need some attention. I just call mine the rainforest garden. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit worried I'm going to lose a child on the way to the trampoline at this stage. So I'll probably need at least my my footpath into there. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> All right, look, man, thanks for coming on the show again. Congrats on your third win, for, on, on your third GC from three outings. And, mate, I will see you in Horsham. No problem, mate. We uh, look very well, look forward to it. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. And there you have it, family, the 2019 Smoking Broke Barbecue Festival. Huge congrats go out to BBQ and Smokeface Grillers and of course much thanks for sharing their stories with us. Before I let you go I want to remind you one more time about the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook and if you have a minute it would really help me out if you could subscribe, rate and review the show. The ratings and reviews trigger the algorithms and make Apple distribute the podcast further and wider so they're really important and very much appreciated. And that's the end of the show so till next time take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.